we have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, dojo family. I feel like every time I start a podcast episode, I like have this mysterious like, ooh, dojo family. Who do I have <laughs> for you this time? But this is a particular particularly potent and mysterious guest, my dear brother, David Lyon. I'm so excited to introduce to all of you. And we've always had this incredible alchemy of deep soul recognition, like from the jump that feels like family. And also you are an eternal, perpetual, forever walking mystery school. Like there, there's, I just, I have still, I know this man for many, many, many years now deeply. Like I would say he's one of my best friends. And I, every time we meet, I'm like, well, who are you now? And this, this reservoir of true magic. Like when I talk, when I, when I say we, we overuse the language magic, I feel like in the, in the conscious community, you know, but what are we really saying when we say that? And for me, it's like, experiencing the unfathomable, experiencing um, synchronicity and flow and intuitive channeling that like blows my mind. Like it, it, it's almost, it's like unreal, but it's real. And that's what feels like magic to me. And that's how David Lyon occurs and has always occurred in my life. This like walking reservoir of the mystery flowing into the current of the present moment with so much joy and play. He's just such a walking embodiment of joy codes, you know, and I'm like this scorpionic, like in the, in the depths of the heart and the feeling. And he's like, well, yeah, but like, what if it was fun? You know, he he always, he always really, he really does walk with the frequency of bliss. And so today I'm super stoked to introduce you all to the one magician, the real thing, David Lyon. And so I'd love for you, David, to just introduce yourself, bring your voice and, and share with us what is your deepest why for being saying yes to the podcast? 
Oh, man. Well, thank you for the beautiful introduction. It's always beautiful to feel your heart and to hear you speak. You always speak so eloquently and make me smile. So thank you. And, um, you know, my deepest why is simply because it's you. You know, you're, you're, you're my sister. You're one of my closest friends. And I also just know it's going to be potent as fuck, anything that we bring through. And, you know, my wish is that it impacts whoever it needs to, specifically men in this case scenario, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, which is a unique way for me to present things. If, if anyone happens to know my path, I've worked primarily with women my whole life. Mm. And now there's a different stage of evolution that's been coming forth that's been uh, speaking a lot more to men. So as much as I especially want to serve the women, of course, and, and trust that this will serve women, I'm also placing a special emphasis on the men and reaching the hearts of men as well. Ah, that feels that feels so good and feels so true. And I actually feel really excited when it comes to the dojo podcast and the live liberation dojos, which the next one's happening at Mycelium Festival in Ojai in the end of June and the dojo retreats that we actually get to touch the hearts and, 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 and receive the wisdom codes of the, the men as well. You know, we, I, I imagine the majority of the listeners of this podcast are women. And so inviting you all, if this episode touches you to share it with your brothers, your partners, your friends, you know, and, and support these messages and reaching more ears and more hearts specifically that this message is geared to the masculine, but also I find that I love as a woman mm. understanding that the heart of the, the men in my life through the men in my life and understanding what's meaningful and what's important and what's alive on the initiatory path of, of the, the men in my life, because it's not the path that I'm walking. And so to understand, but it is the path that I walk beside by side with so many dear brothers and my, my partners in the past and my partner to come. And like, you know, there's, it's so powerful to see through the eyes of my closest male friends who I trust deeply with everything. And you are one of them as a woman. So if you're listening as a woman, like let this message enhance the way you relate to the men that are in your life. And even the way you can support the men that are in your life. Totally. I, I feel like it's on the women's spectrum. I feel like this can help for the women to hear our hearts maybe a little bit clearer in places where maybe there were misunderstandings or misinterpretations of a man's love or energy or the way we carry ourselves. So this can definitely, or, you know, I'm trusting that this will help to just clarify that a lot, yeah. you know, so that we, we can feel more deeply understood and also serve you better. You know, because the more we as men feel understood, the more we also understand you and and are called forth to to serve the feminine. So it's a it's a it's a whole package deal. Yeah, beautiful. That feels <laughs> so good. So let's create a little context here in terms of you mentioned earlier. You know, historically, you've actually been oriented more towards the feminine, and I know you have such a beautiful relationship with your mother. And could you create a little context and um, point of relatability in terms of your back your history with your dad and your mom and how, how, why you've, you know, been such a safe haven for women and then how, how that's shifting at this stage. Yeah. I, so I was raised by my mom, you know, my mom is my absolute best friend, 
best cheerleader, uh, biggest fan, you know, fill in the blank. She's it. She's, she's everything. And my dad left my life around three years old. Between three and six years old was like the slow exit of my dad in my life. And my mom very much represents love, where I say my dad represents passion. And I kind of see myself as the birth child of both. And, you know, so growing up, because I was raised by my mom, I definitely learned a lot about a woman, about women and, and women's needs and what they're looking for and, and also their hurts and their pains and what they go through, you know, because being with my dad, as much as he's an amazing guy and such a brilliant shine, I saw him cause a lot of pain. You know, I've, I saw him physically hurt my mom and, and verbally hurt my mom and things like that. And so the pain he caused at a very young age inspired within me to be the absolute best man I can be because I realized that it was my dad's lack of desire to change that was hurting my mom, you know, along with, you know, actually hurting my mom. <laughs> and, you know, so it just, I just saw how much my mom wanted change. You know, she just, she just wanted more love and she wanted more listening. And so seeing that as a kid, you know, when you're attuned to both, I just wanted to be the best man that my mom was looking for. You know, when you're that, when you're the, you know, when at the time I was an only child, I, I do have a brother as well. Actually, I actually have lots of brothers, but that's a different story. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, seeing, seeing what my mom was looking for in a man as her first son, I was like, okay, well, I'll become that. I'll become that man that she's looking for. And so I was the one who, from a young age, I would provide her with guidance and perspective, you know, because I, I came into this world very awake and clear. So from a, from a very young age, she would ask me for advice and guidance, and she started to realize that I could help her with things. And then just growing up through life, I was just naturally attuned and attracted to women in, in the way of not just romantic relationships, but I always had really strong female friendships that were able to be completely platonic. And I very much naturally served as an example of what women of the kind of man that women deserve in their lives. And so the reflection I would get was that I helped them raise their standards for what's possible and the kind of love that's possible and the kind of magic that's possible. And so I feel like that coupled with my natural attunement to magic and spiritual gifts and channeling and healing and all that stuff just led to this path where Pretty much 100% of my clients, I'm, I was just thinking about it quickly, it's not even 99%, but 100% of my clients have been women as far as, as, far as mentorship goes. And that's, I guess that's generally because women are a little bit more oriented towards wanting to learn more about channeling and healing and, and that sort of thing. And also to feel the safety of a masculine so that they could step into more of their woman. So that's kind of how the the path unfolded. Wow. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I've always felt that with you so, so clearly, you know, there's been such a high resonance and an easeful ability to have a really deep friendship, you know? And so now bringing all of that energy as a, your normal point of attraction, being the feminine, what, what's shifting now that it's, it's evolving that point of connection to your desire to work with more men or to speak to the masculine, like what, and by the mm -hmm. way, guys, lion and I have literally not caught up in at least a couple months. And so we're 
in doing real time <laughs> doing it now. So, so this is actually news to me that there's a shift that's happening and it's, it's super alive. So what can you back it up mm. you know, to the point where this started shifting in your field and let us know what the catalyst was for that. And then we can take it from there in terms of how it looks. To be honest, I actually don't know what it was. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back and I'm like, that's a good question. Like, what was the shifting point? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was, I feel like I just got to that point in my evolution where more of my manhood was wanting to be explored. And in order to do that, I needed to surround myself more with the masculine. Mm-hmm. And so just synchronistically, more men started to come into my life and specifically men who were wanting to learn from me or attracted to me for some reason. Whereas again, before it was mainly women, but this has been a very specific culture or a specific type of man where there are men who are very successful, who are already, you know, very happy, uh, spiritually attuned, you know, so they basically have the things that I would normally help people with. And yet they're looking for something from me. And that's kind of left a bit of a question mark above my head because on some level, I've, I've felt very intimidated by the men who've come into my circle. You know, just some of them, I, you know, I felt had a bigger shine than me or some of them are more financially successful or have a bigger platform. And so there's been this dance with intimidation, but also curiosity of wondering what the thing is. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I guess it, it's just all, you know, a lot of them have been interested in my hypnosis. That's been the main focus point is they're wanting to learn more about hypnosis, mm-hmm. specifically from me for whatever reason. And and yeah, so I guess because it's that point in my evolution where more of my manhood transitioning into fatherhood is coming online mm-hmm. um, or where my, you know, because my excitement is family my excitement is to be a father and i'm getting closer to that point in my life so i feel like that's why this is coming up yeah that makes sense yeah not just to catalyze not just to um to catalyze me in joyful ways but also like there's been lots of triggers in this in in the unconscious realms of my own manhood that are wanting to be explored so that's kind of been the journey i'm at totally so just framing that up cuz i know before we started speaking Lion mentioned this kind of initiatory moment, this rite of passage from, you know, manhood to fatherhood and for, you know, for women from, you know, into motherhood. And there's a shift and that can mean so many things I just want to say. And it's also an initiatory point that I find myself experiencing, like all Mm. the ways that I'm being invited into this process of maturation from, you know, archetypally, you could say made into mother and what, you know, where the, where there, um, had been opportunities to take a greater level of responsibility and ownership for the life that I truly get to create and want to create for myself. And also notice in any way where I've been settling where, you know, I, the, uh, a recent episode I is titled, um, discernment in the dating space, the power of saying no. So you could check that episode out. And it also kind of speaks to this energetic where I'm actually finding a huge part of my discovery process in being single and available and dating for the first time in six years is like, wow, it's actually a lot about my no. And I think there's a a maturation that I feel for myself in that, in that there's no part of me that 
um, has space to kind of settle for kind of maybe there's actually a real clarity that I'm finding. And that feels for me like part of this initiation into the, the ownership that I would love to embody the energy of the mother. So for me, you know, I've, I feel like I would love to have family and it's also contingent on my part, a part, the partner coming in that is my man period. Like when that happens, I'm such a yes to having a child and, and being a mother. And there's also an abundance consciousness that I'm experiencing where I'm not waiting to embody the mother codes until I meet my next now partner. It, the mother codes are happening in the way that I walk and the way that I choose and the way that I facilitate and hold the women that are in the dojo ecosystem and the way that I, um, meet and, and, and emanate my energy and with my friends, you know, there's so many different ways to embody in the now without waiting the next level, the next iteration, the next invitation that life is bringing for our evolution. And so I'm actually really feeling this alive in my field as well. And so those are some ways that I'm noticing it's occurring for me. I'm I'm not feeling like, I feel like in the, in the maiden reality, there's a lot of, um, I used to experience, you know, social lack, like, like, Oh, I'm like fear of missing out or like needing to go to all the parties and, and, and staying in touch with everyone all the time. And like, there's this kind of outreaching of energy and this, in this social context that comes a little bit from a, a lack or a fear of like missing something or wanting to be a part of everything. And that's kind of this fluttery maiden, like playing and being, and there's still a huge part of me that loves to be in connection and loves to be social but a part of this shift for myself, I'm also finding it's like, wow, I, I don't feel a lack around any of that. I'm actually more and more enjoying time in my own energy, time that's nourishing and stillness and like really being in this receptive, yummy cooking for myself and spending time in intimate spaces with my friends. And like, like I'm really requiring a lot more time with me for like restoration and rejuvenation. And then when I am out, I'm more embodied in what I would say are like the mother codes and it's just happening. I feel what you mean. There wasn't like a big catalyst necessarily. It's like phasic. It's like, oh, phasically I'm, I'm like entering the phase where it's, it's ripe. Like the fruit yeah. ripens on the tree. And then it's like, oh, it's really ripe. It's like drop. It's like going to drop, you know, and it feels like that's how it's happening. So Hello, my loves. If you've been following me for a while, you know that over the past several years, I've birthed an ecosystem of transformational containers that have not only yielded profound personal evolution for all involved, but also true, lasting sisterhood. And the intimacy cultivated within this sisterhood has yielded a field of true safety that is profoundly conducive to personal transformation and it keeps getting stronger. The dojo field has seen cohort after cohort of women claim their freedom, truth, and higher calling. And the women keep showing up for one another year after year. It's truly profound. 
I really trust the magnetism of the dojo field, and it is time now to call in the women for the next cohort of the Dojo Immersed. The Dojo Immersed is a three-month higher self-embodiment initiation for women who are leaders, facilitators, and natural guides ready to claim their next levels of service and empowerment. Saying yes to this container means a commitment to massive expansion. It means being willing to see everything that is not in full alignment in your life and being willing to dive deep into your own personal healing process, claim responsibility for your creative power, and create full congruency in every area of your life. Inside, you'll journey with an intimate cohort of 10 to 12 women who are devoted to doing the same. Women who are devoted to sisterhood and devoted to liberation in service of life on this planet. This three-month container centers on a three-night in-person immersion and qualifies you to continue forward into the deeper layers of entrainment available within the dojo ecosystem. If you're feeling the call, now is the time to fill out an application and set up a call to explore alignment with me. Visit zaharazimring.com slash the dojo immersed or see the link in the show notes to apply. What are some examples for you in terms of like on a manifest level where you're like, wow, I'm, I'm occurring a little differently now that feels different, more father-like, you know? And so what's that look like for you? That's a great question. You know, I didn't notice a significant shift in me when I turned 35, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm 36 now. And you know how every year on your birthday, everyone's just like, so how does it feel to be this number? Uh And usually it just feels like the same thing. But for whatever reason, 35 actually felt different for me in the sense that for the first time in my life, I was thinking a lot more long term. Mm. I was thinking in terms of how this is going to benefit my future family and how this is going to impact them, where that wasn't really where my point of focus was before, even if it was a desire of mine. Mm -hmm. And so I I feel like it started with that passageway of turning 35. And beyond that, you know, it's just been my devotion to love. You know, that's something that's been consistent all my life. You know, I've had this devotion to be an example of the highest love possible, just because that feels true to me. And in that dance, I mean, you know me very well, you know, I've gone through so many different iterations of my love and relationships and what it means to be a spiritual man in relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, where I went through my phase of like, I need my freedom. I'm obsessed with my freedom. And, and that was so necessary. You know, it was so necessary for me to honor my understanding of freedom, regardless of where the path took me Mm. only Till I got to this point where I guess I just started to think about family more. Yeah. I think think that's really what it is. I I, I just started to think about family more and and thinking in in my head, I'm like, well, I really do desire to be with just one woman. And I needed to stabilize myself in my madness and in my freedom before even exploring that because I needed to be unrockable in what's true for me in that realm in order to explore the marriage of love and freedom and how they're actually one in the same thing. And so 
as I started to desire more family and, and desire kids and start to look at, okay, well, I would like that to be with one woman. Cause I considered it, I, you know, my father had children with 11 different women. You know, I have, I have 20 brothers and sisters. If we look at my half brothers and sisters, yeah. you know, so, so that's a very real imprint. And, you know, and my, my father was my example of shine and passion, mm-hmm. you know, so it was very much a journey for me to be, to even think about being happy with one woman, even though I, you know, I, I don't consider that I was ever really a player, but I had a hard time being with one woman and, and feeling free over there. So I would often just get to the point where it's like, I can't take this. I need to be free. And then I would go and be single and break up. I'd go and do my thing. And then that would bring me through some sort of wraparound, which, you know, which in a sense, I'm still currently exploring, but in a very different way, it feels much more matured and devoted in the sense that because I reflected on what it is I truly want. And I'm like, okay, let me make it, let me make both options valid in the sense of it's valid for me to have children with one woman and it's valid for me to have children with a bunch of women. And which is a scary thought to entertain. And I remember even when I told my mom about this, it really triggered her because it was like the one thing that she wished I would never become. And, you know, but like I told her, I'm like, I I need to, I needed to explore the energy of it. So I know for sure what's true for me, as opposed to saying, no, that's bad. I need to do the good thing. You know, I want to do the true thing. Mm. Wow. You know, and so through that exploration, I did discover, I'm like, no, I really want just one woman. That's what feels true for me. That's what feels exciting for me. And, you know, even my definition of monogamy has evolved to, for it to mean like the, a a oneness with my own soul, a oneness with my spirit, which reflects in oneness with, with a single woman, but it doesn't feel like the traditional understanding of monogamy of I'm just yours and you're just mine. Yeah. You know, I had to come into a different energetic embodiment of it. Yeah. I I've also been deeply in this inquiry, but from the other direction where I'm like, you know, I thought that I for sure am monogamous and what monogamy and it's gotta be devotion. And, and, and in, in a way, in a lot of ways that is in essence, a truth and the way that I was coming at it, which I've just derived into now was there were layers and tendrils of fear And so really tuning into why, like, why do I want devotion and monogamy? And there's like a third leg of the stool. There's him, there's me, and then there's our shared vision and our shared why. And then there's also the desire to go as deep and as wide as possible in the safety, depth, and intimacy with that one person that you build that. And then there's there's freedom within, like on the other side of that devotion, because the devotion of that deep is the devotion to each other's highest. And I was um, speaking about this with a couple of dear sisters who are relationship experts, Annie Lala and Jennifer Russell, they're amazing. And they, they reflected something that I think is really powerful to share that they said, you know, we think going into relationship often because people have a fear of commitment that it's fixed identity, flexible commitment. 
Like this is my fixed mm-hmm. identity and I'm committed to this relationship for as long as my fixed identity can stay what it is. Cause this is what I want. So in my example, I want monogamy and devotion. And if my barometer is, are you willing to meet me in that fixed identity? And if you're not, my commitment is flexible. I'm out. Right. So it's the same thing on the other side. If someone's like, well, I'm poly, I'm identified. My identity is I'm poly. I'm open. I I'm non-monogamous and, and, and my commitment, I'm as committed as I can stay hooked on this identity. And if you are a no to that, then I'm out. Right. And so there's right. the, but they said, what if it was the other way? What if it was, if you are truly in alignment with someone, what if it was fixed commitment, mm. flexible identity? Mm. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> okay. So that actually really landed for me in the case that the alignment with my partner is the truth. Like there's the compatibility, the alignment is there. And what if you come to the table and say, we are a yes to this, you know, we've dated or whatever, however it occurs, you know, like there's alignment, there's compatibility. We want that we're a fixed commitment, which is devotion, fixed commitment, flexible identity. Like I'm going to let go of everything that I think I am because the true love will expand you. True love is meant to make, expand you beyond what you thought that you were. That's what adding a new ingredient in the form of another human that you're fully committed to is supposed to do. It's supposed to evolve you and stretch you beyond the form of what you thought that you were. And so they're, they're, they're there to believe in you beyond what you believe in you and vice versa. And so If you come to the table and you're like, fix, all right, fix. I like this template. And I'm like, wow, it's actually a relief not to be so attached to what I think it has to be and what I think it has to look like in order for me to feel safe, which means like, yay, gold medal, like done enough of the work to be like, I'm really good either way. You know, like I'm, I feel really solid in myself. So there's a safety. If we've arrived at safety in self, then we don't need necessarily the other person to give us, you know, to, to allow our identity to stay completely fixed so that we can feel safe. If you feel safe, you're beyond identity, then you, it's actually more enlivening I'm finding and more of a relief to actually let go of my fixation on the identity that I think I need to feel safe. That's just resisting an identity death, which love is going to do. So that fixed commitment, fuck yeah, there's the devotion. Flexible identity is saying, let's both come to the table knowing that we're fixed in our commitment, but we're willing to let go of what we think we are. Yes. And let's let's find alignment. Let's let the alignment in life inform what's the best expression of the template of this relationship for us. And yes. it's the truth that that's where the hybrid of love and freedom, I feel like, can find its click in for each unique like um, constellation of partnership. You know, it's like, what is it for us? Cause every alchemy is going to be a little bit different. And that also allows it to evolve over time at which creates some freedom, you know, but like the commitment is fixed and that's like, Oh, wow. You can anchor into that. So anyway, that's, that's a learning. So it sounds like you've, we're arriving into a similar place, but from different directions. So if you feel like so anchored and grounded in yourself, like more than I've ever experienced you, it's so incredible to feel. 
<laughs> so this is already really educational, I think, in terms of my, for me understanding the the arc of the masculine because what you're describing is very archetypal. I you know yeah. the need to go through the initiation of freedom and really feel that and go through that thoroughly, which it sounds like you did. And now here you're arriving into like okay the permission to thoroughly discover and explore that both and not make it bad or wrong multiple partners and then not make it bad or wrong one partner. And then within giving yourself that permission, you found that, oh, I really want one partner. Okay. Yeah. So then from there, what, what has it looked like then from there? Well, what I'll share also just to compliment that is, you know, at the cusp of that reflection of multiple partners or one partner, you know, what I was really looking for is what does it take for me to feel like me, no matter what relationship I'm in? Because that was my biggest challenge. Yeah. That was my biggest holdup is that when I would, when I was in relationship, I no longer felt like me. I felt, you know, I, I had so many triggers and unconscious protections on my heart and you name it mm. that I couldn't understand why it was so hard for me to feel like me you know because naturally you know I remember when when I was single like before I, I started to more deeply explore relationship I already felt like I won the game of life you know like I felt like I was the wealthiest emotionally and spiritually and you know in all the ways and and it's like, I felt so free and so alive. And it's like, so that became my standard, my standard, but that was me as an I, it wasn't me as we, right. There's as an, as an individual, I won. And I still feel that way. I, I beat that game, you know, but in the exploration of we in the, in the two bodied path, if you will, I felt so many different places where I, I couldn't understand why it was so hard to be expressed in my energy, be expressed in my creativity, uh, be expressed in my heart and shine with my partner. You know, I didn't know yet how to open my heart in certain ways, even though I thought my heart was already wide open because it seemed that way in, in other dimensions of my life. But of course, you know, a relationship, a true lovership will reveal the dark side of the moon right? It'll, it'll reveal all the places like, oh, you, you think you mastered that? Let's just show you this over here. You know? So, so for me, it was a big learning of self-intimacy and learning to pay attention to all the subtle places where I was protecting my heart and what to do with it. Mm. Right. Because you could be aware that you're protecting your heart, but it takes devotion and mastery to really learn how to peel that away and to let your ego die to meet another in love and intimacy. And so that was a process for me. And where now, where I'm at, you know, because I gave myself the time and space to really walk my path the way I chose to walk my path, I'm in a space now where I feel capable of doing that. I feel capable of, you know, when things come up, you know, I've been re-exploring a lovership with my partner. I, I'll just I'll leave names out. I get well, Avea. <laughs> <laughs> she was on a previous episode where, where we were yeah. talking about part of the the breakup between the two of you guys. And now it sounds like there's a new exploration that's unfolding, which is is so beautiful to hear. Yeah, totally. You know, and because in all honesty, you know, she is the epitome of woman that I think of when I think of an amazing woman. There's no one like her. 
you know, and I, I kind of get teary-eyed when I say that. And I've had such challenge with that because of what's shown up when we're in each other's field, you know, because it's one thing to feel the potential and the imagination of each other, especially when you're at a distance. Yeah. But, when, but when you're like, okay, I've changed, I've healed, I've evolved, let's re-explore. And all of a sudden the shit starts happening. You're like, all right, I was wrong. Uh-huh. And, and then, you know, we dip out. And I'm seeing now how necessary each of those iterations were where now, you know, in our, in our re-exploration, there's been stuff that comes up, but we've never explored things in this way. Like we we're actually leaning in differently. We're like, yeah. you know, places where I was more stubborn and more stern, I'm going, okay, let me be curious. Uh-huh. Fixed commitment, like, flexible identity. Right. Fixed commitment, flexible identity. Uh-huh. And, and my commitment doesn't feel like it's to a person it feels like my commitment is to love. Yeah. My commitment is to truth. And so because of that, regardless of the person, I'm going to go in there. Yeah. And so it's, so yeah, that's, that's just, I forget the, the, the initial question. Did you want to remind me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, where you're going with this is really beautiful. It's, it was just kind of the next stage of your journey in this initiation towards fatherhood. So it sounds like you've wrapped back around into re 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 exploring with yes. with Avea after many cycles around the sun together in breaking up and getting back together and each of those breakups created a breakthrough into a new level of being that at this juncture has afforded you both like that each one was really worth it each one yes. needed to happen to get you guys to a place where you are now where you're exploring from from this new iteration of you, which feels more grounded in, in this desire for family and one woman and commitment and you're naming it on the podcast. And like, (laughs) yeah, like that's, that's new. That is new. And you feel bright and shiny and unafraid. And I, as a woman who is totally calling in a man who is very clear and unafraid of commitment, it is so beautiful to witness you having arrived in this place and it's helping me appreciate and understand more deeply where, you know, the men in my life, whether they're ex-partners or friends have had to go through. Cause I've had judgment. I, I will say as, as a woman of like, gosh, like, you know, like, you know, this need for freedom or like at this unavailability or avoidant patterning or an inability to fully commit. I will say my, you know, the, the m- recent, partners I've had, like have leaned deeply into devotion and commitment with me. So I've, I've, I've really received a lot of devotion from my male partners. And I've also had to face off with this, in this, the the judgment would say this incessant need for freedom, you know, and it's like, and it's, it's true. And it, and it is this, this devotion and freedom template. Women want safety and men want freedom. And it's like, it's so archetypal to have to face off with that. And as a woman who has evolved into a new place myself, I really am so excited to be embodied in a place where I can support my man in being sure that he feels free and being sure that he feels like he's himself because I've arrived at a place of safety within myself enough that I don't need need 
that from him in the same way. And so it's only like in the the past iterations of me and any, maybe some of the women listening can relate where if the need for freedom threatens our need for safety, Mm. we have judgment, we have judgment or resistance and resentment can come up in these layers. And then what happens is that the, a lot of times the, the men, my experiences, they have a resistance to feeling their woman clothes or hurt. And they, so then sometimes the men will abandon themselves or feel like they're losing themselves, like you named. Right. And then there's this pressure cooker things that thing that happens where the man is then trying to make, you know, is abandoning his need for freedom to a certain degree. And so that the woman doesn't have to feel upset or sad or afraid or whatever. And then you're like in this lockjaw of untruth and eventually it's going to pressure cook this explosion, which sounds like it happened for you guys a few times where you're just like, I just need to go. I, I I can't feel myself. I'm not, I don't feel like myself. And so seeing that you went through this several times and have walked your walked and experienced the exploration that you needed to thoroughly enough that you could arrive in a place and say, I'm here. And yeah. there will still be a need for freedom. <laughs> and she's had to go through the fire of letting you go enough times that she's had to find the safety she wanted from you in herself. And so now you guys are meeting as you, the one who's unafraid to lean into commitment and her, the one who's unafraid of your freedom. Yes. And that is a whole new template. And I'm like, hurrah, because I also have been through those fires, you know, Avea and I have been able to meet in those places and I just celebrate and honor what she's been through to arrive in this place of safety in herself and what you've been through to arrive in this place that you're, you're unafraid of leaning into the commitment required to become a father. So bravo. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, and I'm realizing that a big part of it for myself and I really feel like for a lot of men has to do with the exploration and the dissolution of shame. You know, where us men carry shame are places where we're unconsciously going to escape or run away or find ourselves uh, addicted to certain things such as sex or pornography or whatever other things men can be addicted to. You know, there for me, there was a very clear moment around Christmas time where there was a shame that I was carrying with me for my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was this shame that I thought I would go to my grave with, mm-hmm. you know, it was out of everything, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go deep in, into anything and everything, but this shame, this was like, no, I can't even bring this to any healer. This is too shameful. Mm-hmm. I will like, I will go to my grave with this. And what I didn't realize was because of that shame of places where I've hurt women in, in my past, you know, and like not physically, but just I've I've hurt women, you know, and in places where I've, I've hurt women, I was unconsciously trying to do the opposite and try to love women. Wow. And so and so whenever there was a connection or an attraction and a sexual adventure that felt like me making up for the places where I, I did, I caused hurt mm. in in, you know, in in sexual instances and and I'm, and was looking to to rectify it 
But because I was doing this pendulum swing, Mm -hmm. as opposed to actually just acknowledging the shame and being willing to speak about it and be like, yeah, I, you know, like I did some fucked up shit, you know, I'm not that I'm not proud of when, you know, when I was in my early twenties in the acknowledgement of it, I stopped being ashamed of my shame. Mm. And, and then first I brought it forth to one of my trusted brothers, Harun. And I was like, Hey man, I'm like, I need to speak this. I did this. And, and I was like shaking and uncomfortable and crying. And he just kind of looked at me and he's like, he's like, that's amazing. I'm like, what? He's like, he's like the story He's like, not amazing. Sure. What you did is not amazing, but it's amazing that you're man enough to explore this and to speak it openly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And then for me, the next step was like, okay, I need to share this with a woman. I need to share this with a woman that I trust and to see if I could receive a woman's love over here. Wow. And so I called up my good friend, Heather. And I was like, you know, this is what came up for me. This is what happened. And, and again, I was afraid, but yet she, she just smiled. She's like, she's like, bro, she's like, we all do it. She's like, we all have a collective version of shame where we've done fucked up up things where we've heard other people that played out in different ways mm. yours happened to look like this mine looked like that she's like she's like but you're she's like you're not unique over there you mm. know we we we've all done these things and she's like it's okay she's like i love you and and she's like honestly she's like doesn't surprise me it would surprise me if you didn't have something like that wow you know and i was like oh and so <laughs> now that i was receiving love from the feminine all of a sudden I was like, okay. And the pendulum swing stopped and I, and I was like, okay, now I no longer need to try and make up for this thing that I was trying to make up for by giving love to, you know, whatever women. Now I could deepen myself in love and I could honor myself more. And that was huge for me. Um, You know, that was, it was, and I didn't know how much I needed that because, you know, again, I thought I was going to go to my grave with that. And I know so many men who have this, you know, where I've had conversations with my brothers where, you know, where we just kind of have talked in code in the sense of like, man, like I've done some fucked up shit in my past that, you know, that I don't even know how I'm going to get over. And they're like, yeah, trust me, me too. And we just kind of have left it at that. Hmm. And, and this was, you know, this is a while back, but it made me see, I'm like, okay, this is a huge part to the love game because if we carry any shame around anywhere where we caused pain to women and you know uh, even if it was in our younger years well we're going to run from that we're not going to want to you know we're not going to want to revisit those places we're not going to want to how do i say this if if we carry shame with the feminine in any way we're not going to love the feminine in the fullest way that we're looking to Right. And so that was a game changer for me. That made me honor myself more. That made me desire love more. It made me feel more free. Mm. And, and then with that, through evolution, all of a sudden, this new thing started to play in my mind where it wasn't just about desiring a wife. It was I desired to be a husband. Big difference. Mm. Big difference between desiring a wife and desiring to be a husband, which wow. came <laughs> which came very simple perspective shift of, you know, it's, it's going to sound so silly, but I came across a Facebook reel where a guy was talking about marriage and he was like, men, I need you to hear me. Mm. 
marriage is not the finish line. It's the starting point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, I did not see things that way subconsciously. Because in my head, finding a wife was the ultimate. That was the finish line. Okay, mm-hmm. I finally found a wife. Mm-hmm. But to a man, we also have this need and desire to strive and to keep going towards more. Mm-hmm. So as long as subconsciously finding a wife was the finish line, that was also my death point. That also meant, okay, my life is over. I don't want to get to the finish. I want to keep going. Yeah. So once I had that perspective shift and I was like, okay, wait, that's the starting point. All of a sudden this new inspiration, I'm like, oh, I get to continue to create. I get to continue to build purpose. And now I was desiring to be a husband and not just desiring a wife. And everything started to recode within me. Wow. And so, I have so many chills. I'm over here taking notes. I'm just like, wow, that is super powerful. And I can also relate as a woman. Mm -hmm. Much as I've always wanted safety, as much as I've always wanted, you know, the full claim and, you know, my husband. In this context, that actually lands so much. What I actually want is to be a wife as the starting point for the next level of life yes, in union, the next level of co-creative union. That's a whole new template. That's like, it's like the wild west of the next level of life, you know, because it's, it's totally, um, I, I really feel that a lot of the new unions that are coming online are creating their own paradigm of what it means to be in union. So that's why yeah. I say the wild west of, it's actually like, exciting. It's like the discovery. It's like, we're, we're actually creating a brand new template of what it even means in any reference point that we have of past of that. We've seen of iterations of what that has looked like are actually not the highest expression of limitless possibility. And it, it really does feel like framing it as the starting point solves any levels, even for myself of like unconscious resistance to kind of like the ideas of like meeting someone and getting married. And that's like the beginning of the end in a way And you sit. And then you, that's like, it's, it's kind of you, the, the, the paradigm of getting in a rut and this is, it's that forever. And, you know, white picket fence and whatever your vision of, of your rest of your life is, it's going to be different for everyone. That's the new paradigm of it. So there very me- way me- very well may be a white picket fence involved. You know what I mean? But what what w- how much renewal is available within whatever reality you create so that we don't end up in a reality where there's stagnation and I think a lot of the templates and reference points that I've seen historically have been have have yielded some level of stagnation. Yes. And so we're, we're actually recreating what the new paradigm relationship template looks like, which will be unique for each, each constellation. Yes, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was was a lot, you know, and, and just for, for clarity's sake, cause I was, I was also just reflecting, you know, so, so I don't leave too much up to imagination, you know, what had happened in my past is when in my early 20s, I used to manipulate women into sex. Mm-hmm. And that and that really bothered me. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's 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 nothing that I'm obviously proud of, you know, and but it bothered me 
especially becoming the man that I am now, that that was even a part of my past that, that, you know, you know, cause at the time I just didn't, in a way, it's like, I didn't know better. I was trying to find, I didn't know how to connect. I didn't know how to get sex. I didn't know how to get women. I didn't, you know, so it's like, you're trying to figure out ways. And when you don't have a man to teach you how to be a man, you're, you're going to kind of get creative in both shadowy and, and light ways, wow. you know? So, you know, so it's, and I guess I, I express that, well, one, to express it openly for whatever other man listening to this might have gone through something similar. You know, I want to be that voice as well to be like, yep, I did it too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here too. And it's okay. And we could still receive love from women. In fact, I have not met a single woman who I've shared this with who's who's bad an eye and 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 just like flinched at what I said. It was, it was it's been nothing but love. Yeah. And I also share that for women to understand that a lot of the troubles that you might be perceiving with men of like, oh, your obsession with freedom, your obsession with sex, your obsession with whatever mm-hmm. comes from a lot of deep shame. And that's actually where we need the most compassion and love and, and brotherhood yeah. to, you know, to be able to heal in those places. And it's brotherhood you know, it's- and unconditional love from the women, which is all I feel right now. For yes. you. And, you know, where, where there used to be judgment or resentment is only in direct relationship to where I had not fully claimed and owned my own sense of safety and my own power and my discernment and my own yes and my own no. And that puts a pressure on the masculine. And what I'm finding now in this new iteration of me after, like, I I'm discovering myself who I am now for the first time, you know, after what I'm saying, it's been five years of deeply devoted relationship with about a year of that being heartbreak healing between the two of those relationships ending. So really for the first time in six years, discovering Mm -hmm. who I am single and available, which is not Mm -hmm. the same thing. Being single and being available are different. So to be single and being available, I'm like, wow, there is such a gift in who I've become through those chapters and through the learnings that come from deep love, you know, and to be able to say and mean it, that it's so important to be able to hold a field of unconditional love and compassion and acceptance for our brothers, right? Yep. Like exactly where there used to be judgment, resentment, or resistance, like around like, you know, the desire for freedom or more sex or more women, or, you know, it's like, wow, you're really shedding light. And even into the underneath of that, where it's like, it's not something to judge just as much as we want compassion and support and understanding where there's whatever the patterns are that we go into the men and the, the men support. We want that support from the men. There's also, it has to go equal and opposite. Like I'm thinking of all the the men in my life, all of them, whether they've been partners or not, like, oh my God, the medicine of having women around that are like, yo, I love you no matter what, like, I love you no matter what you've done and, and the ability to own it with the level of compassion that you are for yourself. Like you're speaking what you felt such deep shame around And you've loosened it up enough through the communication about it with safe ones who have helped create corrective experiences for you 
to in a, in a masculine body and in a feminine body to repattern that it's okay and it's safe and in who you are now is different than who you were then and who you were then deserves compassion and love because he was doing his best with what he had, you know, and yeah. that is so healing that now you can speak that. And I really pray one of our prayers when we started this episode was that this would reach the ears that it needs to in exactly the moment that it's needed the most. And so if yeah. you're listening and there's anyone in your life, a brother or a, a sister in your life that you feel like could really benefit from this transmission, please send it, <laughs> you know, because this is, it's so alive for me too. Like I I've actually, I've never felt so excited to be the woman, to be the wife in a man's life that can mm. actually embody what it is to hold unconditional acceptance and unconditional love to the exact same degree that I want it for myself and deserve it for myself. And that's what love is. And that's what love does, you know? And so fuck yeah to, to the place that you are. And thank you for bringing that level of transparency and honesty, because I know that it's medicine. So this is yeah. father codes. This is what a father does. <laughs> and, and this is, this is you as a father as well. Like how you will father your own children with 100%. that same, you can, you can only, you know, hold the same degree of authentic compassion for your children. I imagine that you can for yourself. Yes. Right. Yes. And so you're really embodying that and emanating that in a good way. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. I appreciate it. You know, and it feels like, you know, coming full circle when you're asking me about, you know, why I think men have been coming into my life more. I feel like a big part of it is that I've been healing a lot of the deep shame that a lot of the masculine hasn't healed. And so now I can offer a path because I know there's that deep desire for true love and true lovership and to truly love. And, and it feels like that's a big part of it as well as that I think that they can sense that there's something there that they can't put their finger on that maybe they think is hypnosis, but I feel like it's, it's a call for love. That's being, that's being asked for. That feels super true. That feels really yeah. true. Yeah. So before we, before we close out the episode, you did name earlier that there have been a couple of like triggering experiences that you've had and you're now embodying this new level of masculinity, fatherhood, like that code. So I'm wondering how your response to some of the triggers that are coming into your life might be shifting relative to this new embodiment that you're experiencing. You know, there's, um, there's a message that my guides gave me a couple of weeks ago, which was fight fire with water, hmm. which seems very obvious, but what we always say is fight fire with fire, right? And I didn't quite know why that message was coming in, but I did find out very soon where, you know, I ended up getting into an altercation with someone, not a physical altercation, but I ended up getting into a beef <laughs> <laughs> with, um, with a vegan. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> <laughs> a beef with a vegan. A beef with a vegan. All my but, wires no, I, are crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I had a very interesting moment where someone, a, a female friend who is very close to me, whose family was sharing with me that her partner 
was being mean to her. And I really didn't like that, yeah. you know, and I and the whole time in the relationship, I had been going to bat for her partner in the sense of of just showing more possibility and where the relationship can work out, you know, because I actually really liked the guy. Yeah. And once I started to hear these stories of very blatant meanness, like it wasn't just unconscious meanness, this was like direct being mean. Mm that pinched something in me of this feeling of nobody fucks with my people, yeah. you know, and in a way that energy is very empowering and called for, you know, in the sense of, I truly feel that way, whether it's a sister or a brother, nobody fucks with my people. You know, the, I might be David, but my name's lion for a reason, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up getting into an altercation with him in the sense of, you know, while we were all in the house, it was me, it was him, it was his girlfriend, and another person was there too. And there was a lot going on. And I, and I, you know, and I just, everyone was kind of not speaking into what was present. And I'm just not one of those people. And so at some point, I just kind of looked at him, I'm like, I would really love to feel more connection here, because I feel like there's a lot unsaid in the field. Mm -hmm. And I know you've been wanting to have a communication with me because he was feeling very triggered by me as well because I had I have a very magical connection with his woman that yeah. he was not experiencing so I yeah. completely understand understand his side as well. Mm -hmm. And so we went outside and we had a talk. And during our talk my intention really was first to hear him out. I wanted him to feel understood. And I really had every intention of approaching him open-heartedly, you know, and which is, which is how I approached him. And so I let him express himself about why he had problems with me and why he felt triggered. And we got that out and it was understood. And, and he had very valid reasons, you know, there was a missing perspective, but he had very valid reasons. Yeah. And once he felt understood and I made sure he felt understood, I was like, okay, are you happy for me to share my feelings now? Yeah. And he said, yeah. And what I had shared was, I'm like, you know, I've been hearing what's been rubbing me the wrong way is that you've been being mean to my friend. Mm -hmm. And I heard you said this. I heard you said that. I heard you said this. And yes, I heard all of it. Mm -hmm. And I just want us to acknowledge that that's not cool. Yeah, That's it. You know, I'm, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying this. I just want us to acknowledge that's yeah. not cool. Yeah. Let's just take some ownership here. Yeah. And he didn't want to. He there was a refusal to take ownership, which is okay. That's his, you know, his part. But that ended up escalating things in the sense of, you know, we started to go back and forth. And at some point, the thing that really set off my fire, you know, where, where I went from water to fire, where he had said something to the effect of, well, you know, I was hurt. That's why I hurt her. And I said, so are you saying that because you're hurt, it's okay to hurt someone else? And he's like, well, yeah, that's logical. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I was, that's what I was just like, that's a big no for me. I'm like, okay, now we have a problem. Yeah. And so we started to get into a beef and I walked back in the house and, you know, with him. And I just started to go off in the sense of, um, you know, 
Like you call that being a man? You think that's being a man controlling your woman and this, that, and the other? And I was, you know, I was laying into him. Mm-hmm. And at the time, and still in a way, it it felt called for in the sense of that's what was on my heart. But what I've learned recently in the in the coming days, as I've reflected on that moment, was as much as it was called for, and as much as I spoke my truth, what I ultimately ended up feeling like was that I defended a woman, but I destroyed a man. And that wasn't okay with me. You know, that didn't feel good on my heart. And it was, of course, a very humbling experience to admit to myself that, oh, I actually want to apologize over here. Mm. And, you know, and for me, just to give some context, you know, when I was two years old, my dad hit my mom and broke her eardrum mm. and while, I, while I was in my mom's arms. Mm. And so that was my dad being mean to my mom. So I was very not okay with a man being mean to a woman. Yeah. So for me, that experience felt like the first time in my life where I got to defend my mom and stand up for the feminine yeah. in the way that I thought I always should. And it was great, but it was like, there's more. Because mm-hmm. Because I also don't desire to create more separation between me and any other human being at all. Yeah. You know, that that doesn't feel like the energy I'm stepping into or what I'm devoted to. Mm -hmm. And so this is where the whole fight fire with water thing comes in, where I'm realizing as much as that was empowering and called for, there's an upgrade even beyond that, where those things can be said and we could have those conversations, but more love and intimacy can be created in some way, shape or form, because my learning point was my love stopped at someone being mean. I did not know how to see the innocence in someone who was mean to a woman. And so my love stopped there. And so that's where my fire came out mm-hmm. and my, you know, and my attack came out yeah. where through my own inner work and healing and tears, I learned to move beyond that and to see the innocence in people who are who are mean to others and and to genuinely feel it from my heart mm. so that I can have the capacity mm. to bring water to that fire yeah even in those instances and Ooh. so that, that was a great lesson for me yeah and a, a very necessary one for for men because we can be very like you know don't fuck with my people mm-hmm. but if we're looking to create a world where there is more unity amongst us and there's going to be problems, right? We're going to do fucked up shit. We're going to be mean sometimes. We're going to be unconscious. But I'm pretty sure that the desire that we all have is more harmony and more unity. And so, and so, yeah, so that was a huge lesson for me was to fight fire with water. Wow. Wow. What a way, what a message to close yeah. out the episode with. And there is, there is, you know, true mastery in the ability to feel your feelings and which is not to bypass the impact of a trigger or a catalyst like that, that is specifically designed to aggravate your specific brand of wounding relative to the experience you had when you were two with your dad and your mom in her arms, like wow, that really made sense. Why that would be so specifically a man being mean to a woman who you love deeply like family would specifically trigger your wounding, which it would make sense that then the 
you know, the, 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 the stand that you never got to take, there is an opportunity there. And so for, for so many, you know, on the planet at this time, this is a major message around expanding our capacity to both hold space. Cause it was, it would be rightful. It would be a bypass to be like, no, that didn't even impact me. And let's just find my compassion and love for him. It was actually like, no, that needed to come up for you to feel what you didn't get to feel through fully. And for you to take a stand in the way that you didn't, weren't able to before. And through this, this action of taking the stand, you actually learn that there's an even higher stand to take that includes everyone because your capacity is impressive and enormous. And so when you found the new edge of your capacity, then there was a new edge and there's now another edge that you aimed for through the humility of your ownership and apology. And then also being able to hold that compassion for him rather than perpetrator against him, that still creates a resistance that still creates a separation that still holds you in the lockjaw of the discomfort of that separation. And so through the the mechanism of forgiveness and compassion, but guys, this is so important that it has to be authentic. Like it can't be the bullshit. Like, yeah, just find forgiveness. Yeah. Cause oftentimes you have to go through the cycle of anger. You have to go through the cycle of protection. You have to go through the cycle of tears that you named the sadness to actually then give yourself the grace of going through your emotional process to then have the capacity to actually include, oh, wow, this is a a hurt person who's hurting people that he literally said, and he was just stuck at the edge of that belief. And so you were able then to find compassion for this hurt person who you're standing for. And it's not okay in my reality for you to hurt people. And I can hold the space of compassion and love for you in that hurt that you've been through. And perhaps that's that environmentally, energetically is actually more conducive for him in the field of your positive projection, rather than holding him as the guy that hurts people because he hurt people and he can't get over that, you're actually creating an energetic environment for him, not for it to be okay for him to keep being mean to people or hurting people, but for it to be possible for him to heal his own hurt through compassion, which you gifted him. That's a gift you gift someone with the energy of compassion. That is for you and for him because energetically it's more conducive for the healing that you both want on the highest level. So I'm just so impressed in praying that, you know, for anyone that's kind of holding a strong resentment or anger or um, resistance to someone who's really hurt them, this is, you know, potentially a gateway to freedom if you process it thoroughly enough. Yeah. You know, and it felt like my responsibility to, to do something different in that situation, because it could be so easy to, to judge someone who's, who's being mean or doing something wrong. And the evidence in my reality was, it's so easy to be like, yep, we have every reason to be mad. You have every reason to, to hate on him. But I felt a deeper sense of responsibility because everyone was in agreement with me. You know, even the women were in agreement with my actions and what I did, and they felt protected. They mm. felt safe. And they felt like I was standing as an example, like, oh, that's a true man. Mm. And so as much as that feels good, and I and and again, I know I did the right thing as best as I could in the moment. Yeah. I didn't want to leave the women with the example that a man is someone who does that, is a man who 
quote unquote, destroys another man. Mm. You know, for me, it was so important to continue to be the even further example of what else this exact moment could look like, you know, because of course it feels good for the feminine to feel protected and to feel defended, you know, but there's an upgrade even beyond that. And what's funny is, you know, I actually, part of how I came to this realization is when I was sharing the story in front of Avea and our other friend, Daniela, I was sharing it because I was so proud. It's like, I felt so good with this moment. It's like, I finally got to do this thing. But I noticed that Avea's energy wasn't responding and sparking in the way that I thought she would, like, you know, feeling proud of me. But she, she didn't say anything. She was, you know, she was just kind of quiet, mm. but I read her energy. You know, I, I took that as a cue and I, and I used her reflection to reflect and be like, okay, what else is here? Why wouldn't she get sparked? And then eventually that's when I came to that realization. I'm like, okay, there's more. She's perceiving an opportunity for deeper love that she's not saying. And so I'm going to take advantage of my gifts to be able to read her <laughs> and and then I did take a moment to even communicate with the feminine who were present and be like, hey, I realized I could have done better mm. and I'm here to do better as well. And I want to share that with you so that you know that in, for any separation that you may have caused between you and that person, let's, let's mend that and heal that as well. Mm. And so that felt important to me. Wow. Good work, brother. Good work, <laughs> brother Lion. <laughs> So, so, so beautiful. Such an expansive transmission on so many levels. Thank you so much for your time and your energy and your magic. And I'm wondering if there, if you could share how everybody can find you and if there's any programs or offerings that you have coming up that you might want the Dojo family to know about. For sure. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at davidlion.love. Or on YouTube, David Lyon. And my website, of course, is www.livingmagic.life. And my favorite offering to let people know about is something I created called Opening to Channel, which mm-hmm. is really for anyone and everyone from beginner to advanced intuitives who are really wanting to develop confidence and mastery in their unique gifts and channeling abilities in a way that's actually practical, that's so simple that a child could understand it. So that's available on my website if you want to check it out. And thank you for listening to me. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you all so much, as always, for the depth of your presence and your listening. If this episode touched you and expanded you in any way, it would be so helpful if you would hit subscribe and leave a comment and a review as that really supports. I'm learning more about the podcast world and it supports the algorithm in reaching more people all over the world that would normally hear this, this good work. So thank you for listening. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. 
I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart. Leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.